0: Hello and welcome to Neither the Time Nor the Space, a podcast about Doctor Who. My name is David and as always I am joined by the lackadaisical Matt.
1: Yeah, we say, we say you're joined by. Um, <laughs> I'm, at, I'm at my house, yeah. you're at your house. Just got to observe that social distancing.
0: Yeah, it's it's a weird one. Uh, thanks ever so much uh, for bearing with us. I know this uh, this. Uh, been delayed by a couple of weeks now this
1: episode Um, yeah
0: it's a weird one isn't it yeah
1: (laughs) who'd have thought since I saw you last the whole world would just go to shit
0: yeah it's uh, it's really strange isn't it and um, I think I mentioned in the first bonus episode as well uh, there is a weird irony in in this this specific episode yeah, yeah, Yeah. (laughs) that we've ended up uh, being uh, delayed on um so I'm not going to beat around the bush because I've been waiting such a long time to find out whether you enjoyed it or not. Well,
1: what... do, we, yep, we need ooh. to say, don't we, that we're talking about The Girl Who Waited? We are indeed, so, yes. Episode 10 of Season 6. So I have one question for you, David. Yep. Yep. Okay. What is the best episode from Season 6 and why is it The Girl Who Waited?
0: Um, I think the answer to that question is uh, The God Complex, <laughs> as you will discover next week. Um, but uh, the reason why it's it's um, The Girl Who Waited, um, three names, Matt Smith, Karen Gillen and especially Arthur
1: Darville. Yeah, I, I, all fantastic I would agree. Well, it, it's funny that you said this one isn't the best, because I've just got the Wikipedia up in front of me. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know if you know this fact, but this episode was nominated for the 2012 Hugo Award for Best Dramatic Presentation.
0: Yeah, I'm not surprised. Um, well, the, here's the... something
1: that will surprise you. It lost to the Doctor's wife. Really? Yeah.
0: Um, yeah, I mean, I guess I can see why with that. Um... I can't.
1: I can't. That episode was rubbish.
0: Okay, well, we're not we're not going to rehash that. But I, what I will say about that one is, it's it's certainly more of a fan indulgence, mm. and I think if you're if you're on the voting board of the Hugo's, I think perhaps you might be more swayed by that sort of indulgent, fanish quality to the Doctor's wife um it's good that they both got nominated i, I will still maintain i think my personal favorite of, of of the series is still to come it's it's coming next week but um that's me so uh but anyway yeah for this episode I, I think it really it does all come down to the performances and the writing as well uh shout out to tom McRae, the writer of this episode he's written for the, for this series before do you know off the top of your head which uh, episodes he wrote i can't remember he hasn't written for it since series two. The only okay. other story he wrote was the um... Sorry, there's, there's just all kinds of animal nonsense going on. Bear there, I'm just going to have to sort the cat out. Okay. Come on, Ah, there's a lot of you. Oh, don't freak out.
1: I really hope this audio gets left in. I really, really hope that everyone can just hear David fighting with his cat. I imagine there's some sort of Fred Flintstone moment, trying to put the cat out, but the cat wins.
0: (sighs) Right, okay. So yeah he hasn't written for the series since series two uh, when he he did the uh, first Cyberman two-parter the uh, rise of the Cybermen and Age of Steel Th-
1: this is his best work then absolutely that, that was okay but mm-hmm. it was flawed wasn't it
0: yeah I think it's almost it's one of those things where like on the one if you if you're a doctor Who fan being being given the task of reintroducing the Cybermen that is a huge honor but also maybe a bit of a poison chalice. Mm. Uh, Whereas with this, he's got absolute freedom to just tell quite an interesting self-contained sci-fi story. I think this episode is a great demonstration of the anthology-ish nature of Doctor Who, in that this could almost be a standalone science fiction short story. Yeah, but absolutely. It's, but it's almost it's given extra weight because we already know and love these characters. We're already invested in Amy and Rory's relationship, and that gives extra weight to um,
1: all, all all the stuff that uh, they, all the scenes well, they share. together. I, I think I've mentioned it before, but um, I, I really like the idea of time dilation. I, I find it a really really interesting concept. Oh and yeah, it's done. Yeah. It's done really, really well here. Yes. And it reminds me... I've mentioned this before. It's a film I doubt anyone else has seen other than me. Cube 2, Hypercube, is a film about time dilation.
0: I really um, should give that a go then, because I'm also a sucker for this kind of stuff. And And I will say more generally, if you're into that sort of nonsense... There, there are some other episodes in, in throughout the Moff era because I think it's a bit of a fascination of Stephen Moffat as well. Okay, you know we've seen he's already played with it in things like Blink and stuff like that, um, yeah. and the the um, Go to the fireplace. It's it, so his era indulges in various different um, explorations of that, those sorts of concepts. Uh, so I think. You're going to enjoy a lot of a lot of those kinds of
1: episodes yeah. going forward. So that's that's well cheering news. Well, currently both Cube films are free to watch on Amazon Video. Wow, what a treat! Uh, the third one is there, but you have to pay for that, and it's the worst film I've <laughs> ever seen. So let <laughs> let's just swiftly move on. Fair enough. Um, should my, we ju- just jump straight in to the episode? I think episode? we should. I think we've waited long enough. Let's do it. Okay, so. This is the 10th of September 2011. Yeah. And we open with some of the usual Tardis nonsense, everything's you know going a bit mad. Yeah. And they decide they're going to go on holiday and you might have to help me out here because it's about 3 weeks since I watched this episode they're going to mm-hmm. go to Apalapachia. Oh yeah, something like that. Apalapachia. Apalapachia, that's it. Apalapachia. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I I'm not gonna lie, I watched this episode and then the very next day I was told that I don't need to go to work for about six months, so it's not the freshest thing in my memory. <laughs> yeah, no, that's fair enough. Uh, I, 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 I ended up uh rewatching it again the other day. So the TARDIS lands near a door. Yes. And it it's all getting very much like the Matrix sequels, isn't it? We're, we're just in a big white corridor, everything's white. Everywhere you look, everything's white. Yeah,
0: it's almost like a, like a sort of modern art gallery or something like that. It, it
1: has that sort of very crisp, s- sterile quality to it. So Rory presses a button that has a picture of a green anchor on it. Uh-huh. And goes into a room and Amy's following behind him. She thinks she's going into the same room, but she presses a button with a red waterfall on it. Yep. Which takes her into a different room. Both rooms have a magnifying glass, so they can talk to one another. Yeah. But there's something fishy going on. They seem yeah. to be in the same space, but not necessarily the same room, yeah. if that makes sense. It, it,
0: it, it's interesting, because it's like the way it's edited... You're not quite. You're kind of one step behind in the same way that the Doctor and uh, and Rory are. You don't really fully understand at that moment what's going on with Amy. Um, Mm. You think she, yeah, she might just have like stepped into. It's like almost like a dimensional split rather than necessarily a time dilation thing. Um, And it's. I don't think it's until after the credits that we establish that it's that time's running at different speeds. Yeah um, so
1: as he always does the time just say, the doctor sorry just says time goes all wobbly yeah and it's at this point we're introduced to one of the robots that has weird organic hands
0: before we get to the hand bots which we definitely will discuss um, i just wanted uh-huh. to sort of stop for a moment and just discuss the um, the whole thing about like the two buttons green anchor red waterfall um which would you press? Uh, probably green for go.
1: Yeah, I know so it... would
0: I. I think that's what 99% of people would. I think it's it's kind of, Obviously, it's a plot contrivance, but I like to try and think in US, like, why is Amy the kind of person who would push the red
1: button? But then, anchors... Mean stop and waterfalls are fast moving, so it's true.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think you um, know, I wonder if they what you really want
1: is that. a red anchor and a green waterfall.
0: Yeah, yeah. I wonder if it's that's that they actually thought about that when they were
1: picking the symbols for them. That would make sense.
0: Um, has there
1: ever been any discussion about those symbols? I mean, probably there has. I, I've never specifically looked for it on,
0: online, but I'm sure some people have written <laughs> screens of uh, of uh. Fan fiction and stuff about just those symbols because no stone is left unturned of the Doctor Who universe. <laughs> um, what what do you think of the Handbots? I think they're all right as designs go. Like, I mean, they look fairly cheap. I mean, it's fair to say, like, it, it, as as good as this episode is, it is obviously like the budget
1: saving episode of the series. Yeah. Again, I think I read that on the Wikipedia.
0: Yeah, it's kind of the same as it. You know how in previous uh, series they'll, they'll do episodes where, like Blink, is a great example where they kind of they're limiting the amount of screen time the the Doctor has. Um, so basically, they were able to shoot all of Matt Smith's scenes for this probably in a day, maybe maybe a day and a half, because hmm. he he has like. A couple of scenes with Rory outside of the TARDIS, on that, in that location. The mm-hmm. rest of his stuff is all in, on the TARDIS set. So they could just bash that out in a day.
1: Yeah. Um, so, moving on. Rory then leaves the room mm-hmm. and decides he's just going to press the red waterfall and enter the room that Amy's in. Yeah, makes sense. But when he does that, she's not there. Yeah. So he then presses the green anchor, and thankfully the doctor is there, and that's when it all sort of seems to click. Yes. With the doctor
0: is that the point at which they they look and is Amy no longer like viewable through the magnifying glass then, or, or I forget because at one point she says she's been there like a week, even though it's been just minutes for for uh, yeah. the doctor and Rory. They're like a week. So... <laughs>
1: So I think this is where we get sort of a bit of a exposition dump. So yeah. the Doctor realises that the planet is under a planet-wide quarantine. Mm-hmm. And there seems to be some sort of virus, some sort of illness that only affects two-hearted races. I think he says the indigenous species of this planet yeah, the... all have two hearts and that's yes. why there's no one around. Yeah, yeah
0: so this is yeah this so, this facility is has been designed to uh, basically allow people to, to, to kind of visit their loved ones who who have like a day left to live basically yeah. because this because they say it's, yeah. it's it's this one day plague you know it will kill
1: you yeah. within a day so so it allows patients to live their life Over a 24-hour period. Yeah. Their family can observe them and watch them have good times. Yeah. So, the Doctor and Rory go back to the TARDIS, and they try to lock on to Amy. Yeah. But they they manage to, but it's a bit wishy-washy, isn't it? It's not... I think the Doctor says it's not exactly what he's looking for. Yeah. Um... So then, the Doctor also says, because of the plague, he can't walk the planet. It'll kill him. Mm-hmm. So he gives Rory some, like, video glasses yep. to go investigate. The Doctor communicates with him, gives him instructions, tells him what to do. Yeah. Um, and now, at this point, there's a little bit of trivia I'm going to ask you. Oh, go for it. Okay. So Amy goes to investigate the planet and she meets almost like a receptionist that gives her all the details of the planet and everything. Yeah. Talks her through all the facilities. And they say that there's a replica of the Disneyland uh, that was built on Planet Clom. Yes. Are you aware of Planet Clom?
0: Yeah, it's uh, where the... um... Uh, Absorbaloth is from.
1: Yeah! Good shout out. Yeah. Back to the Absorbaloth. Yeah, everyone's favourite.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah. It's, I mean, He's not the worst thing about that episode, is he? He though? It
0: definitely isn't. And and let's be honest, Clom is a fun planet name.
1: Yeah. It's just a good one. Yeah. So, Amy goes to investigate the facility and she determines... Well, I, d- I don't know whether she works it out or if the doctor tells her, I can't remember, that the robots will try and medicate her and the medication will kill her because she's not of that planet.
0: Yeah, she yeah, it's the doctor warning, him, uh, warning her there. And the doctor is speaking from experience there. Now, um, I know that we said before, prior to starting this project where you're you're watching New Who for the first time with me, the only Doctor Who that you had ever watched was the 1996 Paul McGann movie. Now, I doubt you've revisited it quite as many times as I
1: have in the intervening years. Uh, I I couldn't tell you the first thing about it.
0: So in that case, you'll have forgotten that um, the seventh Doctor's regeneration is actually caused by um, a surgeon attempting to save his life.
1: Oh really? Because yeah,
0: he's he's shot by gangsters um, because it's it's a TV movie that was made in the mid nineties um, with American budget. So um, and uh, he's he's rushed to hospital, and you know what? He he probably he might have had a fighting chance of uh, surviving it, were it not for the fact that he's then kind of operated on, and he's desperately trying to tell them that he's an alien. And um, in the process, they essentially kill him. And so has, he, has it he got regenerates in a original
1: mortuary. Has it got the original actor that plays the Sylvester set of McCoy. The Doctor?
0: Yeah, yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, he comes back for it. And one, we'll probably talk about this more, because I would like to revisit the, the, the 96 movie with you one day. Um, I think one of the big lessons that RTD learnt from that was that trying to adhere to the continuity and hold people's hands through it only kind of hampers it for for establishing the new Doctor. You think about what he did with Rose, where there was no... You know, we don't see uh, Paul McGann regenerating into Christopher Mm. Eccleston. It's just, bang, episode one,
1: at the start... Hello, I'm the Doctor, and it's, he's played by Christopher Eccleston. Is, and, is that ever addressed in the wider con- continuity? I don't
0: know. May, uh, you know, may, 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 maybe we'll get there. Maybe maybe not. I don't really want to spoil that for you. But, okay, okay. Um, but, yeah, certainly at this, at this point, when this episode aired, it was still an unresolved thing. Um, we had never seen a regeneration from Paul McGann into christopher eccleston but everyone Mm. just kind of assumes you know we refer to paul mcgann as the eighth doctor we refer to christopher eccleston as the ninth doctor um but yeah so i i I like I, i don't know whether it was a conscious reference or not but i very much interpret the doctor's warning to amy there as him kind of speaking for experience like their kindness will kill you that you know they will assume that you are like them and their medicine will not work so because
1: uh... is this the point where the doctor shows Rory the facility and you can see like the hundreds of thousands of people all buzzing around, but they're all in different time streams yes, yeah, so you sort of see Rose like lost in a crowd, but there's actually no one there yeah okay so Rory gets. ...blasted into Amy's timeline. Yeah. And... ...Amy's gone to the entertainment zone at this point. So Amy goes on the run... ...because there's loads of handbots... ...and she hides in one of the vents. In fact, it's at this point... ...that the Doctor realises the planet's empty... ...and there's 40,000 time streams. Yeah. So Rory... I, ...I mean, we haven't mentioned it... ...but earlier in the episode... When they're communicating with Amy, they say, Leave us a sign so we know where you are. Oh uh, yes, and yeah. And Amy she writes, she writes in, in lipstick, doesn't yeah. she, on a door. Um so Rory finds that, goes to see what's happening inside. And I, I really, and really Amy appears to him.
0: I love the detail that, like, you know, he's holding up the, the, the time glass, the magnifying glass that looks back through time. So like because there's just vague smudges left on the door. That's and, right, yes. Yeah, so, so he has to like scan it with that to, to see it. So the, the way they use that, it, you know, it could almost be quite a silly prop, really. Big, oversized, magnifying glass. But the way it's used in this episode is magnificent, I think. Do
1: you, do you know what it reminded me of? If no, we no. go all the way back to our favourite thing of 90s children TV, uh-huh. it reminded me a lot of Nightmare. Right. Where they had the seeing glass, where it would cut away to. I think he's called Lord Fear, and it would just basically move the plot on. It was an excuse to look in it and get like a little cutscene scene to move the plot of the story right.
0: on. Right. I'll be honest. I don't remember that detail from Nightmare. I, I definitely watched quite a bit of it back in the day, but that's not one of the things that stuck in my brain. <laughs> but uh, yeah.
1: Uh, right. They, why, so,
0: why has nobody brought Nightmare back yet?
1: Surely well, it is they, overdue a revival. They did Raven, didn't they? That was like a Poundland version of Nightmare. Oh, it's not the same. It's no, not the same, is it? no. It's like when your mum says you've got Coca-Cola at home, and it's like Tesco own brand.
0: Yeah.
1: Offering Nightmare and getting Ravens just not the uh, same. No. So when. Rory eventually finds Amy she's old Yep. Yeah. and I think this is the first time in Doctor Who where they've done old person prosthetics and it's not been OTT it's done pretty well here
0: yeah I mean I think <clears throat> we get it briefly in um, do you remember the uh, the Family of Blood when you've got mm. that, that flash Forward montage of the life that the Doctor could have had with, um, I'm blanking on a name now, uh, played by uh, Jessica Stevenson, the, the nurse. Yeah, um, and like it's it's so you get the Doctor on his deathbed, uh, or John Smith, I should say. I think the, the the makeup's pretty decent there, but like it's it's heavy because like he's you know meant to have aged what forty years by that point.
1: Um, yes, that's
0: right, or more. Um, but yeah, no, I think it's 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 really quite good makeup given for for a BBC budget, you know, mm. and for a budget saving episode, it is good makeup, and it's fortunately I think it's matched by Karen Gillan's performance, where she, she has obviously put a lot of effort into changing her physicality like her body movements and her body language and also her voice um like it's a very different performance would you say it's the best we've seen of karen gillen so far well i think it's given her it's the episode that's given her the most opportunity to really stretch as a as an actor and not just be doing the kind of like the quips and asking questions and all the usual doctor who companion stuff I think this mm. is one of the first episodes where she's really gotten to kind of strut her stuff a little bit more as an actor. Um, and without spoiling things, it, I also think is Arthur Darville's best episode. Like,
1: his performance in this this episode is phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah. But we'll, we'll get to that. We we'll get yeah. to that. So, as soon as Amy appears, she claims that she hates the Doctor. So... In the past, when she's been forced to wait for him, it developed almost into a fascination. Yes. But here, we get the opposite. Yeah. I, think, I mean, a couple
0: of things. One, she's been burnt too many times by that, at that point, I yeah. guess. Yeah. And also, it's one thing to have this crazy night and then grow up with this sort of imaginary version of, of the Doctor in your head. It's another to have actually tasted the reality of travelling with the Doctor and then to have just been unceremoniously dumped in a containment facility. Yeah. I mean, albeit yeah. one with fairly nice, you know, fairly nice uh, features, but also a bunch of like never-ending medical bots that will keep stalking you like zombies and trying to kill you.
1: Yeah. Well, um, what we, about
0: have we seen have what we about... seen her like taking one out yet by this point?
1: Because I think no, she's not,
0: uh... not quite yet.
1: Um, well, possibly, but think... it's at this point that we meet Rory. Yes, yeah, because
0: isn't it like so... pretty much her, 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 her meeting with Rory, where she, she like, says duck, and just, uh, because there's a handbot coming up behind him, just, like, swords
1: him straight through the head. That's right, Yeah, that's right. But I, I was re- referring to the other Rory. Oh, yes, yes, the... <laughs> Yeah, you know, as as so, uh,
0: as Amy puts it, he's harmless, by which she means like he has
1: no arms. Yeah. So she's cut his hands off because yeah. that seems to be how they administer the drugs. Yeah. And uh, I don't know. Does she say she's reprogram- reprogrammed him?
0: Yes, she does. She's had a lot mm. of time on her hands.
1: And somehow, and somehow, Amy's also got a sonic probe. Yes. Now, um, it's a plot convenience, isn't it? In the same way that
0: the Sonic Screwdriver is a plot convenience. Um, yeah. I think it's one of those... It, it's you know, symptomatic of the fact that we've only got 45 minutes to tell this story. I think it... Yeah. I don't know. I don't, I don't want to seem too down on it because I think it's fine. It doesn't really bother me that much. But it's like, well, it is a bit of a stretch... Maybe to think that's that... it.
1: We we have never seen Amy as like the sharpest tack, have we? No, um, she's not seen. Like somehow, particularly she's just developed that ability.
0: I guess the the the, the way I would headcan it is, she is surrounded by all of this alien tech. Maybe it is a it it's a much simpler procedure to yeah, that's true. A bit of you know an, an approximation of the Sonic Screwdriver, but. Um... Yeah. So I I, I, I so, can hand away that way.
1: So Amy takes Rory out to the gardens where she begins to sort of soften a little bit towards him. Yeah. she, You know, she's been quite harsh, older Amy so far. Uh, but she begins to soften and when she leaves Rory unattended for a little bit he's knocked out by a robot which yeah. she then kills. I think crucially, so,
0: I forget what he says but she makes uh, he makes her laugh, and she says, like, I think that's the first time I've laughed in what well, is it, 40 years? 36, 36, 36 years. 36
1: years, yeah. Mm. But anyway, so, yeah, so uh, Maury's immediately taken out by the handbots, yeah. And then Amy rejects the doctor's offer of a rescue, yeah, um, and asks for them to take old Amy, not young Amy, yeah because okay. yeah. so she's saying you know i i've been here long enough i deserve rescuing cuz am i right in thinking they work out how they can go back and save amy just seconds after she enters the room
0: yes yeah
1: basically that's yeah.
0: that's the plan but in doing that they are essentially erasing all of the years of life that this older amy has had and that's right and, and essentially, you know, killing her. And yes, while she is hardened, and as she puts it, she's basically lived through hell, it is still her yes.
1: life. That's right. And she claims that she deserves that life because of what they've done to her.
0: Yeah, yeah. So basically, like, it's... It would be kind of the fi- final straw if they were to just basically just click undo on mm. all of it, you know it kind of invalidates her experiences that's a really really interesting idea the that that thing of like i've lived through absolute hell but those are my experiences and i'm going to defend them like mm. i don't just want someone to undo that because then i would stop being me you know if you take away all the hardships that i've lived through then i stop being this version of me and this version of me is the only version i know and I'm comfortable with, so yeah, it's a really that's a really meaty philosophical idea, just sort of nestled
1: mm. away in this episode. so in order to get her to concede and allow them to rescue young Amy, uh, Rory presents her with that looking glass that can see through time, yeah, and there's a conversation between old hardened Amy and young. Sort of more happy-go-lucky Amy. Yeah, this is done so um, well.
0: Like the 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 uh, the the direction and the editing on that way, you can sort of see the reflection of older Amy in the glass, and then the the, the image of younger Amy coming through the glass. And yeah, really, really magnificent.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, and and you, you, I I genuinely forget in that scene that it is the same actor playing both parts and it's being shot out of sequence and y- you know everything else. Because it feels so natural that
1: these two people are talking mm. to each other even though they're the same person. Mm. Well, it was originally, according to Wikipedia, going to be another actress that played older Amy. Yeah. But it was Karen Gillan's idea that she played both parts. Yeah.
0: I'm so glad that, that they, they went with that and let her do that.
1: Yeah, it I worked liked better.
0: Yeah, I think it would have, it would have hampered this episode enormously
1: to have a different, completely so, different person. The conversation that they have is about how beautiful Rory is, and yeah. their love for Rory, and young Amy expresses that she wants to have that life with Rory rather than without him. So, old Amy concedes until she decides that both Amy's could go together. I think the Doctor maybe even presents this idea.
0: Yeah, I want to I just linger on, on, on the, 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 the writing of, of that, what she's saying in there because I think it's some of the loveliest writing we've had in a long time in Doctor Who where where she... I'm gonna botch it because I'm paraphrasing off the top of my head, but it's something along the lines of, you know, you meet some people in life and, and, they're, and they're beautiful, but you talk to them and they're just boring. And then you meet other people mm. who... You know, fine, and, and you and you get to know them, and they're wonderful people, and their 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 face becomes like a reflection of who they are, and that mm. that their inner beauty. Um, and she concludes by saying, "You know, Roy is the most beautiful man I've ever seen," and that is lovely writing. It's a mm.
1: really really nice, uh, movie. Yeah. Um It anyway. works really well. Yeah. This is probably my least favourite bit of this episode. Right. Okay, so in order to pull through to young Amy's timeline, her and old Amy need to share a common thought. Right, yeah. Uh, Now, I thought that was going to be something like how much they love Rory or Mm. their fun times with the Raggedy Doctor. Yes. But instead, they just do the Macarena.
0: I mean, to be fair, it is linked to to their love for Rory because it, it's it. Um, I think it's you could easily miss it, but like Rory notices that's what she's doing, and he's like, "Oh, our first kiss!" Like that's when they first kissed.
1: Ah, oh, right. So that there, makes a bit more. There
0: sense. There is that emotional link. I kind, but I do agree. I think it would have been more impactful if maybe it had been something that we had seen. Yeah. So if we as an audience had that same connection with that particular
1: mm. memory. See, I I thought it was going to be the moment they realized that you know, they'd had a child together or that that child yeah. was River or that would work. you know, we've seen yeah. some pretty significant moments Very that they shared together. Or
0: like all the moment or, or the moment in Amy's bedroom when they're, when they're still like, you know, just you know, maybe just coming out of their teens um, and for the first time Amy realises that Rory has been in love with her all this time you know yeah. um, something like that there are there are definitely moments you could pick from what we have already seen on screen but obviously they've, they've gone with something new that we've not seen but yeah as a, you obviously missed the the, sign- the exact significance of it we haven't yeah. it, we haven't actually got to my least favourite bit of the episode but there is one that really sticks out for me and we will discuss it don't worry okay. <laughs>
1: Right. So, young Amy appears, Yeah, as do some of the hand robots, so a little bit of running about for a bit, but the I mean, facility won't it, let it's them... still
0: Doctor Who.
1: Hmm. This is another bit that I found quite confusing. The uh-huh. facility won't let them get to the TARDIS, but then it just does.
0: Um don't they aren't they doing some faffing around with like the temporal engines? Like because it's it's like there are temporal engines that are which is a thing that is is, is allowing the multiple time streams to exist simultaneously. Ah uh, right. And the doctor is talking Rory through the process. He's like pulling levers and rerouting. So it's still it's like it's it's the usual Doctor Who sciencey gobbledygook. But like they are physically doing some stuff in order
1: to to allow the tar- Tardis to materialise. So as they're fighting through a horde of the Handy Box, yes, young Amy gets knocked out. Yeah. Uh, so Rory goes absolutely mad.
0: Yeah. So we've got we've got we've uh, got this is the editing in this. I feel like it's such like boy oh boy. Do you does this feel like it was like done ten years ago? At this point. It's one of the things mm. that kind of dates it, like the way it's just, like it's slow-mo, and then it suddenly speeds up for a second, and it's like it's like it's that very post-matrix, Zack Snydery kind of Yeah. fight editing. And like, it's obvious they didn't have the budget or time for for Karen Gillard to actually do any training with a sword, so they try to make her look like this amazing sword wielding <laughs> badass, but it's just it's all just fast cuts between different shots, yeah. um, and so, we get we get we actually get at this point my <laughs> least favorite moment when Rory goes aim Go on. shit. One of the things that he does is because they're in the gallery. Do you remember at the start they're like establish the gallery, so it's got uh, it's got bits of earth art and bits of other alien art and stuff like that. That's and right. One of the things yeah. they got is a replica of the Mona Lisa, and Rory picks up the Mona Lisa. And smashes it over a Handbot's head, and it, and that ha- and it sort of like fizzes and smoke comes out. It's like, but it's just, are they allergic to canvas? <laughs> like, <laughs> how is that actually going to, uh, to damage a robot? I have no idea. And I feel like they did it because they wanted the visual gag of like the Handbot's head replacing the Mona Lisa's head because it's sprained in such a way. But then I think they realised in the edit that it was too stupid. So, like, they edit around that. You never really... It's sort of there there in the background of a couple of shots, but you never actually get that moment where that gag could land. Mm. So, yeah. I I just feel like... I wish they'd just not done that at all, because it just... (laughs) Every time I watch it, it's just like... Just smashing a painting over a robot. Like, that's going to make a difference. (laughs) Uh, But anyway, yes, moving on.
1: So... Whilst Rory's going through his fit of rage, old Amy realises that he doesn't look at her the same way he looks at young Amy. Yeah. So she becomes quite sad. And just as they reach the TARDIS, the Doctor just shuts the door to keep old Amy out. it's
0: brutal, isn't it? Because the whole way through, the Doctor's been like, it could work. We, We could reach this compromise and have... Both Amy's existing, you know, if if the if I just sort of do some Tardis nonsense, we'll be able to maintain that paradox.
1: Yeah, yeah, and then he I just mean, sort of reveals we've seen it's just Day. a convenient lie. Yeah. yeah,
0: that's true. We 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 know that you can't sustain that, but yeah, yeah. And so the the doctor at that point point says to Rory, "Look, you've got to choose," and force him to choose. And and uh, you know, Rory is kind of like yeah. devastated by that. And and I love the moment where he just turns to the doctor and and, and sort of snaps in at him and says, "You're turning me
1: into you," like by forcing
0: him to make
1: those kind. Yeah, of- it is a bit of a dick move, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. It's like the doctor. The Doctor just goes, well, it's not my fault, Rory. It's your yeah. decision.
0: And I feel like this is one of the moments where we're really starting to crystallise the difference between Smith's Doctor and Tennant's Doctor. Tennant, mm. it would be all of this this arm-patting, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so, so sorry. You know, that almost became a catchphrase for him. The way he'll apologise to people whenever like some awful thing is happening that he had no control over. But Smith is so much colder and more detached in yeah, this
1: moment. It Turns out Smith is the awful thing that's happening. Yeah. So old Amy says that Rory should choose young Amy. Uh she uses the line, I'm giving up my days so that you can have those days together. It's nice. So yeah. I mean, we we uh, knew
0: it would have to end this way, really. Like they don't have the budget to put Carrie Gillan in old makeup for
1: every episode. Yeah, um, yeah. but it's
0: still, it's, it still—it still but has then, an
1: impact. Yeah, I don't know. I think I would have liked it. It would have been interesting if there was just old old Amy there. Yeah, hanging around. Um, so then, old Amy basically accepts her fate and starts fighting off the last of the handy robots. You know, we never see what happens, but it's pretty comprehensive that she's gonna get murdered. Well the thing is, I think the last shot that
0: she and all of the hand robots kind of fade away. Because mm.
1: and, and it is they no longer exist yeah, that, or never did yeah, exist. Yeah, that,
0: that timeline has just been unwritten.
1: Yeah. And then the episode just ends with young Amy waking up. Yeah. So, all in all, I think this is the best we've seen of this series so far.
0: I'd agree with that, I would,
1: yeah. Yeah, I think I've been pretty critical of this series so far, but yeah, this best we've seen. Yeah,
0: it's a really, really good standalone story. Um, as I say, it's got philosophical moments, it's got just three amazing central performances. I think even though Smith isn't in it as much, the scenes that he is in... I think he's he's fantastic in all of them. Like he's doing so much with his face. Um, like there's so much going on between the lines and between the words.
1: Mm. Um, definitely works. Definitely works. Yeah. And so before before we move yes. on, there's a couple of things I just want to address before next week. Yes, I've also got some some business that we need to attend to. But yes, go go on. Okay. So, obviously, last week you ran through a Doctor Who quiz. Oh yes, well this was. Although one of the I main... wasn't present, yeah. I I did listen. Um, I was going to ask, did you want to do that today or do that next week? I wasn't certain whether you'd prepared um, them. I
0: I I had, insofar as I've got it still saved on a Google Drive, and I'm just going to pull it up now because um. Yes, I was going to quickly run through the answers
1: yeah so so before so do you do you want to run through the questions and i'll just chirp in with what i think the yeah answer I'll, do,
0: is. I'll do so i'll, I'll paraphrase them because the original ones were a little bit wordy but I'll, I'll just kind of rattle through them so it was 13 questions for 13 doctors it's an all all behind the scenes stuff yeah. non-spoilery so uh i mean one of them's a little bit spoilery for classic who but um but yeah it's so i'm not really even though you've not seen every doctor in every year i'm not really spoiling anything for you with these but so, uh, the first question was which of these people had no involvement in the making of an unearthly child? The first episode uh, is it A. Waris Hussein, B. C. E. Weber, C. Verity Lambert, or D. Christopher Barry? So, what's your guess on that? Uh, I'm going to go with Barry. Yeah, you would be right. Christopher Barry yeah. um, directed yeah. some of the episodes in this second ever serial, The Daleks, but he didn't direct uh, the first serial. That that was Waris Hussein.
1: Yeah. The the only one I was certain of there was Verity. I knew she was Oh yeah. Involved.
0: Ver- Verity Lambert is a name that like is is rather hallowed amongst uh, Doctor Who fans. It's um... yeah. and uh, maybe you'll learn a bit more about her in in a, in a future episode of this very podcast. Um so, uh, question two, what is the earliest second Doctor story to have no missing episodes? Your options are The Underwater Menace, The Tomb of the Cybermen, The Macro Terror, or The
1: Enemy of the World. Right, well, it's not Tomb of the Cybermen, because we've seen that, so I'm going to say it's The Underwater Menace. Just to, re- just to be clear, the first
0: second Doctor story with no missing episodes.
1: Yeah, we, we watched okay. the whole thing, didn't we?
0: Yes, because there are no missing episodes.
1: Yeah. Ah right. Okay. Inca- that, yeah. sorry, I yeah. thought you meant which one had missing episodes. Uh, no, in that no, case no, I'll because, go for Tomb like, of the Cybermen. You are correct. Yes, that that is the earliest
0: Doctor uh, uh, second Doctor story where all episodes are intact. And it's quite late on in his run. Yeah. Like I think his whole first series It was it's, shite. it's patchy. Absolute Shite. <laughs> Oh, don't break my heart. Okay, so, question three. Due to a production misunderstanding, a third Doctor story was broadcast with a title that included the prefix Doctor Who and... So what is the full title of the story? Doctor Who and the Spearhead from Space, Doctor Who and the Silurians, Doctor Who and the Claws of Axos, or Doctor Who and the Time Monster?
1: I think you've told me this. I think it's Doctor Who and the Silurians.
0: Yeah, I think I did mention this on an episode previously because I love it as a piece of trivia. Yeah, that, and you are correct, it is Doctor Who and the Silurians. It's just, it just delights me, that. So, uh, according to legend, I, I, I did do a bit of Googling because this is one of those things, it's like fan urban legend, if you like. Um, I can't find any source to actually verify it. But uh, Tom Baker apparently once suggested to the production team uh, that his outgoing companion Leela ought to be replaced by a talking vegetable. Was it A, a potato, B, a
1: lettuce, C, a turnip, or D, a cabbage? See, I thought it was going to be a stick of celery because we've seen that, but I'm going to go for a cabbage. You are correct. Apparently, I Tom, Tom out, Baker said, if I get full marks, then you win and this podcast can end. I've got four out of four <laughs> so far. I am very worried. Very worried at this point.
0: Okay, uh, the Fifth Doctor's Era We can finally do that Robot
1: Wars podcast we've always talked about.
0: Ah. You know what? It would almost be worth it. Uh, Fifth Doctor's Era features the last televised pure historical with no alien or sci-fi elements other than the Doctor and his companions. What is the name of that story? Was it A, Black Orchid, B, uh, Castrovalva, C, The Awakening, or D, The King's Demons?
1: Uh I'm going to go for Black Orchid. You are correct. This is getting <sighs> scary now. I just thought I like that title. I'll just go <sighs> it. I
0: was really I thought the King's Demons, that's a got a historical sounding sort kind of. I was really Yeah, but you said with no that...
1: aliens. So if it's a demon, does that count? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, if you watch the episode, you, you, you'd know what's referred to with that title. Plus, It's not yeah, neutral demons. We know
1: demons are just aliens from the planet Deimos. We do. We do know that. That is canon. It, um, it so, upsets uh, six... me how much I've learned.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Go on, question six. And there six. is so much more. Okay, question six. The Sixth Doctor's era featured an unprecedented hiatus with a distinct possibility that it could turn into a permanent cancellation. The the show was really on the ropes for a while. Um, to help remedy this, a few enterprising fans to put together, as I put here, a truly cringe-inducing Live Aid-style charity single called Doctor in Distress. I've not shown it to you yet. I feel like I need to show it to you at some point, Matt, because it's... We'll, we'll get to it's it. It's a thing. Um, but the backing track for it was uh, played by a musician who would go on to become a world-renowned film composer. Was it A Hans Zimmer, B Danny Elfman, C Alan Silvestri, or D Howard Shaw?
1: I'm going to go Danny Elfman.
0: Good choice. You know he did have a pop career with Oingo Boingo, yeah. But, yep. but um, it is actually A Hans Zimmer.
1: Oh,
0: so I'm only on. So five I'm out sorry. Six the
1: po- now.
0: Yeah, the podcast will continue. Oh, We're not pivoting to Robot Wars. <laughs> How ridiculous is that, though? Hans Zimmer. I oh, know. Like, that blew my mind when I discovered that. Um, so, seven. Uh, the, despite being predominantly associated with the third Doctor, Nicholas Courtney continued to appear as Brigadier Lethbridge-Stewart throughout the rest of Classic Who. His final appearance was in which seventh Doctor story? A, Dragonfire. B, Remembrance of the Daleks. C, Battlefield. Or D, Survival.
1: I'm going to go Battlefield.
0: You have gone correctly. Uh, Six out of seven? Six out of seven. uh, Question eight. In the 1996 Paul McGann movie, um, which was co-produced by the BBC and 20th Century Fox, uh, neither the UK nor the US were actually the first country to broadcast it. Was it A, Australia, B, South Africa, C, the Republic of Ireland, or D, Canada?
1: I'm going to go for Canada. Canada.
0: You are correct. Have you got Wikipedia
1: open whilst we're doing this? (laughs) Correct, with Canada. Sorry, the sound cut out a little bit there. Uh, That was a bit like a who wants to be a millionaire's tension. So what's that? Eight out of nine.
0: Yeah. Okay, so Christopher Eccleston uh, sported a simple leather jacket as a deliberate break from some of the more eccentric costumes of previous Doctors, which former Doctor subsequently claimed in interviews that they had actually suggested to the production team that they have a leather jacket for their costume? Was it A, Tom Baker, B, Colin Baker, C, Sylvester McCoy, or D, Paul McGann? Uh,
1: I'm going to go Paul McGann.
0: Good choice. Uh, It was actually uh, Colin Baker, Um, the one who ended up with, like, the ridiculous clown, like,
1: Technicolor. I wouldn't have got that. Sylvester McCoy was my second pick.
0: Yeah. Um, So, question 10. David Tennant currently holds the record for most episodes of any New Who Doctor, having appeared in four more than his nearest rival, Matt Smith. How many in total did he appear in? Is it A, 44, B, 45, C, 46, or D, 47?
1: I'm going to go 47. I think it's a very high number.
0: Yep, you were right. 47. 47? Just think, we've, we've watched...
1: that. That's a lot of David Tennant, isn't it? Yeah. That's like two whole days of my life. <laughs> <laughs> and we're still... Yeah. Not, I guess, just
0: about halfway at this point. Yeah, maybe yeah. slightly over halfway. Actually, when you think about the fact that there are some, like the the Whittaker series, they've been a bit shorter. So,
1: yeah. be grateful yeah, for a small. Over nurses. halfway
0: at this point. Yeah. yeah. Um. So. Question 11. The Matt Smith era is famous for having a number of high-profile guest writers. Which of the following writers have not written an episode during his tenure? Uh, A. Richard Curtis. B. Neil Gaiman. C. Charlie Brooker. Or D. Simon Nye. Now, this is quite fresh for you.
1: Yeah, I'm going to go Charlie Brooker. You are correct. It's one that a lot of
0: fans would love a Charlie Brooker penned episode. It's not happened so far. I
1: definitely knew we'd seen Neil Gaiman. And I definitely knew we'd seen uh, Richard Curtis, mm. uh,
0: and Simon Nye was the, uh, if you remember, the uh, creator of Men Behaving Badly, who wrote Amy's
1: Choice. Ah, right, that makes sense.
0: Yeah, I I nearly went because I thought Charlie Booker was a bit of an obvious one. I nearly went with Frank Cottrell Boyce, who is a who is a famous like a famous writer in his own right, but not quite maybe as well-known, and does write for Doctor Who later, but never wrote for the Matt Smith era. Anyway, that's by the by. Uh, Question 12. After Peter Capaldi was announced as the Doctor, it emerged that he had actually been a huge fan of the show in his youth. In a BBC interview, he discussed some of his favourite classic stories. Which of these was not amongst them? A. The Underwater Menace, B. The Ark in Space, C. The Web Planet, or D. Frontier in Space? I'm going to say...
1: The Web Planet.
0: You are incorrect. He waxed very lyrical about the Web Planet, which was a, a bold and uh, an inspiring thing to do, because uh, the Web Planet is not historically one of the most beloved episodes. But it's ah, it's amazing. I would love to show you the Web Planet one day. You would hate it. Yeah, you would absolutely hate it. It's 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 six episodes long. It's in, it's interminable at times. And it's mostly, like, insect people. And they got, like, an avant-garde choreographer to come in and, like, invent special movements for all of the different insect people. No. It is just... We're not watching that. (laughs) It's a thing. Anyway, um, last question. Question 13. Jodie Whittaker is not only the first female Doctor, but more importantly, the first Yorkshire Doctor. Yeah. How many doctors have played the role with a their regional, i.e., non-Southern England accents today? Okay. So, for so to be to be clear on that, so we're not counting David Tennant because whilst he is a Scottish actor, he doesn't play the Doctor with a Scottish accent. No, he plays him with with a, with a Southern British accent. So, um, the, your options are A three, B four.
1: C5 or D6? Uh, I'm going to go for 4. You are correct. Look at that. 10 out of 13. 10 Um, out of 13. I must say, when I listened to the episode last week, I was like, I ain't got a fucking clue. (laughs) You've had a week to mull them over, apparently, though. Yeah, I was quite prepared to fail. I haven't put any thought into it. That was all on the fly guessing. But... Just ten, natural quizmanship. Turns out, you're starting to win. <laughs> so, the uh, second thing so, I wanted to talk about. Yes. Well... Yeah, go for it. I mean, you can edit this little bit out. Did uh, did we get anyone email their answers in to us?
0: You know what? I haven't checked.
1: No. There was, there was nothing on Twitter, and I don't think on the email there was anything.
0: I doubt it. Let's be, let's be honest. We don't have that many listeners, and... Yeah. Also, to be fair, um, uh, most people have probably got more important things to be worrying about right now yeah. than e- emailing in their answers to a Doctor Who
1: quiz. So, <laughs> I, I've sort of bit my tongue whilst we've been recording, because yeah. right from the offset, you said your favourite episode of this series could be next week's The God Complex? Yep. I don't know if it's just because I was in a really bad headspace, because obviously was told that I don't need to go to work anymore. Well, due to the coronavirus situation. Uh, I watched about the first 10 minutes of this, turned it off, was totally bored, thought it was rubbish. See you next week. (laughs) Oh, that's
0: going to be an interesting one then. Yeah, I do worry if it's going to be one of those ones where we have very different opinions because it appeals to my... I like it when Doctor Who gets experimental. And
1: I think that's sometimes a bit more hit and miss for you. Yeah. So what, so, what I'm probably going to do is watch it again from the beginning. Now I'm in a slightly better headspace. I would, would heartily recommend that you do yeah, that. Yeah, give it a fair crack of the whip. But Yeah. Because,
0: yeah. I, I, like I say, honestly, it is my favourite of the series. It, so It's the it first would, it would... time
1: in watching this I've turned an episode off. Uh, oh, normally, um, even when it's bad, I just think, "Oh well, that'll give us something to talk about." But uh, yeah, I you was just, just like, "I, yeah, I'm not gonna get through this." So,
0: well, yeah, I mean, well, fingers crossed. As you say, you you know, things are on a slightly more even keel now. At least, yeah,
1: we all have
0: like, I mean, and I'll be honest, I've been in the same. But you know, we've obviously mentioned you're a teacher so this has massively affected you I work for the NHS it's yeah. it's, it's not unaffected me either yeah. um, it's, but, it's like I a mean... busman's
1: holiday for you <laughs>
0: <laughs> indeed um, so yeah so we, 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 I, I, I do try to approach it with an open mind I'm very excited to talk about it whether you love it or hate it and I hope you listeners out there you enjoy it too uh, so, we will see you next week when we will be discussing the God Complex. Yeah. But until then, as ever, thank you so much for listening. Take care of each other and cheerio.
1: Yeah, I normally say bye now. Look after yourself, stay safe, be good to one another. Bye bye. Thank you for listening to Neither the Time Nor the Space. If you wish to contact us, our email address is timenorspacepod at gmail.com and on Twitter we are at timenorthspacepod.
0: And thank you to Alexander Urban for his smashing arrangement of the Doctor Who theme.